the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, as we come to today's broadcast of Way of Grace, we have a final look at Gideon before moving on to Judges chapter 9 and a look at Abimelech. Join us, our final look at Gideon, coming up next here today on Way of Grace. It has been an extraordinary exploration of the life of Gideon, to say the least. And as we close out our look at Gideon today, we do so with a final look at Judges chapter 8. We're looking at a message that Pastor Jessica Stand has simply entitled, Gideon Says I'm Not the Christ. Join us as we take a glimpse into the meaning of the ephod today, the high priest, David, employing this ephod a couple of times, and Gideon wanting God to speak to him continually. Here's Pastor Jesse on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. What is Gideon's justification of doing what he did? His justification for doing what he did in making the ephod is because God had taught Gideon, like he teaches every true believer, that there's only one access to God by which we can have a real and faithful and constant revelation of the will of God, and that's the ephod. The ephod was the breastplate on the high priest by which in all of his ornate matter, pointing to the 12 tribes of Israel, pointing to God's people in Christ, who is our great high priest. God says that the high priest is to bear all of the burden of all of the people of God on his heart. Am I making some sense? This is the ephod. Look at it for yourself. We are now in Exodus 28. I want you to see this. I still got a few more minutes. Exodus chapter 28. I want you to see this starting at verse 28 and we'll go through verse 30. This should be a message in itself because of the depths of the symbolism and typology of the ephod in relationship to the robe, in relationship to the high priest is a clear and visible signification of Jesus Christ being the revelation of the invisible God to us. Now notice what he said. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof unto the rings of the what? So there's a breastplate that goes around the waist of the high priest and the ephod sets on the breastplate with a lace of blue. Do you see that? That it may be above the curious are the uh, wisely produced girdle of the ephod and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. So the breastplate supports the ephod. Ephod is supported by chains and the ephod has a robe. And the color of that robe is what? Blue. Look at the text. Notice what it says. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of what? Lace of blue. I just want you to get that. So you guys know we went through this many years ago. The color patterns are representative of spiritual things. And blue always represents heaven. It represents heaven. Purple always represents royalty. Royalty. 
Gold always represents the deity of God. The heavens represent the fact that the high priest stands between heaven and earth as the one mediator between God and man. And who is that man? Jesus Christ. He's our great high priest. Notice what it says in verse 29. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his what? Not his literal heart, but that which is symbolized by that which is on his heart, the breastplate. I want you to see this child of God, because this is really vividly what Jesus does for you and me even now. The breastplate is visibly and publicly worn by the high priest in the presence of God. Aaron, when he's going about his normal tasks throughout the day, is not wearing this ephod. This ephod doesn't do the people of God any good for Aaron to see it. It doesn't do the people of God any good for Aaron to see it. The only person that is to see that ephod for which it matters is God. God, when he looks upon Aaron, is thereby anthropomorphically reminded that Aaron represents the people. As Aaron is, so are the people. And if Aaron is a great type of Jesus Christ, when God the Father sees the Son, he sees us. Am I making some sense, children of God? See, the people don't go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest does. We don't need to go in. All we need is one who represents God and represents us to go in. And the Bible is very clear about the purpose of Christ. He came as a substitute for his people. He came as a representative for sinners, did he not? He came to bear our sins, did he not? And as the high priest, he ever lives to make what? Intercession for us. Because on the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ is every one of God's people from the beginning of time to the end of time. He is our great high priest. And therefore, the ephod is always that artifact that mechanism by which God speaks to the priest in the behalf of the people so that the priest can let us know the judgment of God given to him. This is why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father, what? But by him. This is why Jesus said, no man has seen God at any time. He who sits and dwells in the bosom of God, he is the one that reveals God, John 1, 18. Is that true? What that means then is you and I don't have direct access to the Father except through the Son. And there's no knowing the Father and therefore no knowing the Father's will if the Son doesn't reveal it to us. That's Matthew chapter eleven twenty seven. Jesus made it very clear. No man knows the Father but the Son. And no man knows the son but the father. And no one will ever know God except Jesus reveals him to them. Y'all got that? I can go so much deeper. On the breastplate is what is called the Urim and the Thummim. Two gold ancient emeralds that in the special relationship between God and the high priest, sometimes God allowed the Urim to light up. 
in order to give affirmation to the will of God to the high priest to give to the people. Y'all keeping up with me? Isn't Jesus, again, the only way we can know God's will? So then, therefore, it doesn't astound me that David utilized the ephod two times when the enemy was attacking the people of God in the days of David's pre-reign being persecuted by Saul. Y'all don't remember that? All right, can you learn a little bit more today? All right, so we're going to do that too because David's getting ready to teach us something about that. First Samuel chapter 23, verse 6 through 12. Now, we talked about this many years ago. Got to read your Bible, the best story in the world. David's being hunted down by King Saul, who was the people's choice. It was not God's choice. Remember, God's choice is going to be a man from Judah, not a man from Benjamin. Saul represents the Antichrist system that Israel chose. God chose David. Even David's family didn't want David. He came unto his own and his own knew him not. The world was made by him, but the world would not receive him. David points to who? Just like Gideon points to Christ. And so we look at the language. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David Tequila, that he came down with the what? Oh, help my people get it. Out of everything in the temple, the most important thing to the son of the priest was the ephod. Because God was using that to give special revelation of God's will to the people of God. It wasn't the ephod. It was what the ephod represented. It represented the heart of Christ, which is where God dwells revelatorily. No man knows the father but the son. No one has ever seen God but the son. The son dwells in the bosom of the father. What that means is the son has the whole and total, total revelation of who God is. Doesn't that make sense? If you got a man's heart, you got that man. If you have a man's heart, you got that man. And so what we say is, if you've got Jesus, you've got the father. And if you've got Jesus, now you have access to the father's will. Do you not? And so the high priest's son, this is what Abiathar was because Elimelech was killed by Saul. And so he's running to hang out with David, which means he was a godly high priest. He got, he knew the difference between Saul and David. He knew David was the king and he's the what? Priest. Now, ladies and gentlemen, all through the Old Testament, three offices that sum up Messiah were operating separately. The priesthood, the kingship, and the role of prophet. Y'all keeping up with me? And all of them are summed up in the person of Jesus, are they not? And so here now the king is coming into collaboration with the priest. And notice what David does. The text tells us in verse 7 these words. Let's follow it through. I'm almost done. And was told Saul that David was coming to Keilah. And Saul said, God had delivered him into my hand. For he is shut in by entering into a town that has gates and bars. You see how Saul is coming after him? Now watch what David does and learn a lesson. Verse 8. Saul called all the men together to water, go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Verse 9. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar, bring me the ephod. You better hurry up and get that. What do you do when you know your enemies have you encompassed about? 
when they have been told by even your traitors where you are. You don't rise up and fight your own battle. You find God and you call on God and you bow the knee to God and you ask for him to reveal his will to you so that you know that you know that your response will be according to his will. This is why David was a man after God's own heart as we ought to be. Here it is. He said, bring me hither the heap. I love that. That means the kingship has authority over the priesthood. I'm almost done. Y'all all right? Here we go. And David knew that Saul, uh, verse, uh, give me the next verse, please. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to, to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Now, what is David doing now? He's mediating for the city. See, like 150 years ago, preaching used to go two and a half, three hours. Because the most important thing to the people of God two or three hundred years ago was the revelation of God's glory expounded through the truth of Scripture. They did not care about the tyranny of time. They wanted to hear from God. Listen. Verse 11. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into their hands? What a great question. This, I, I got to stop. It's so much here. It's so much here. He has the ephah. The ephah represents the medium between God and man. The ephah points to Jesus. David is asking Christ, what shall come to pass? Now, how powerful is the promise that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. How powerful is the promise? Some of y'all are going to get this and some of you guys are going to practice this because you're going to know its application and you're going to see God bless you. A lot of your prayers are not answered because they are not answered through Christ. They are not answered through you understanding you have no direct access to God or absolute assurance that he will hear your prayers. Until you come humbly and truly through the mediator. And then when you do, you know you're doing it because you're not trying to force God to do something for you. You just want to know his will. Y'all keeping up with me? Here it is. Will he deliver him into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant? Has heard? Oh, Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he's coming down first revelation. God's on David's side. God is talking to David. It doesn't stop there. Look at the next verse. Then said David, will the men of Kaliah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord says, yeah, they're going to get you up, bro. Yeah, they're going to get you up. See, I love Jesus. You know what the text tells me about my master? He didn't trust anybody, especially church folk, because he knew what was in the heart of man. If it's your life over mine, y'all going to throw me under the bus. Jesus said, no, nah, I'm not going to even put them in that predicament. He did not trust in anyone to deliver him but God. See what David is doing? As good as David and his men would have been to the city of Keilah, they're going to throw David under the bus. Because Biden and Fauci, I'm kidding. It's more important than a humble man or woman who actually is seeking to try to do the will of God, but doesn't have the same fame or power. 
See, if you're trusting in the flesh, you're going to make the wrong decision every time. This is where politics is always a betrayer of the will of God. Every time. Here it is. They will deliver you up. So, you know, David now has to make a move. Don't David have to make a move? You better be ready to make a move. Verse 13. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah. Good, David. And went whithersoever they could. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. See how good God is? You see the ephod, the, the use of it? That's not the only time. It was used again. You need to know that as well. He not only used it here in this earlier text, he did it in chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30, verse 7 and 8. Give me a few more minutes of your time. I'm going to sum this up so clearly. And in fact, I already know most of you got it, but you just need to hear it in order that you might worship God in the reality of what was said thousands of years ago applying today. Here it is. David's in the same predicament. This time they're fighting a battle against the Philistines and the Amalekites take a bunch of their property and their wives and children. And now David's own soldiers want to take David out. I get it, David. I get it. See, this is what happens when darkness sets on you and you're not operating out of that chief organizing principle. And then all of a sudden you want to pull your sword out on whatever is making you feel threatened. At this point, they want to blame David. Here it is. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, Elimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me here to the Hiphod. It worked before, it's going to work again. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after the troops? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, what? Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And with all, uh, with all recover, without fail, recover everything. Do you see that? Does this give David the confidence to go to war and retrieve everything that's necessary? David is a great type of our Lord Jesus. The ephod points him to the Father. Christ's death on the cross recovered everything that was lost by sin, lost by our rebellion, and lost by the devil taking it. He recovered everything. This is what we call the absolute love of God in Christ, conquering all foes in the behalf of his people. That beautiful picture, is it not? So then I do want to close by talking about the production of the ephod just briefly because we're there. I want to make some applications to where we are. I think I persuaded you that the ephod is a medium. It's a symbol of a mediating, mediating tool, and that tool ultimately is summed up in the person of Christ. I think you get it. The production of the ephod is the appropriate response to a victory won by God through Gideon and his army. Does that make sense? It's a, an appropriate response. Let me help you there. Gideon had already knew God's law, didn't he? Gideon had already met Jesus, didn't he? The angel of the Lord came and told Gideon, you would win the battle. Gideon is not in the dark as to who God is, is he? Gideon met Christ. Did Christ go before Gideon and win that battle for him? Therefore, when God told Gideon to tear down his daddy's idol, and erect an idol to Jehovah, when Gideon is making the ephod, he's putting it in the same place where he erected true worship to God. Am I making some sense? Gideon's not stupid. He didn't lose his mind in five minutes. He wanted God to continue speaking to him. He understood that the temple was down in Shiloh. 
He understood that the church was broken up into 10,000 different little tribes all over Israel. There's no, there's no unified worship. Every man to himself, remember? Well, since God has shown up to Gideon's house, told him he is a mighty man of valor, told him to tear down his daddy, daddy's idol, erect an idol to the true and the living God, win a battle over his most formidable foe but the Philistines, Gideon is saying, look, I am not going back home without an opportunity to hear from God going forward. And if we're going to honor God in the victories that we are won, we're going to take the spoil and booty that God gives us and we're going to give it back to God so he can keep speaking to us. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If we're going to ever win victories for the glory of God, it will be God working through us because we worship him in spirit and in truth. And when we worship God, we give him all the glory for his revelation and we give him all his glory, all the glory for his providence in our life. We give him all the glory to go out of worship into work and provide and make a living and earn well. And when it's time to worship God, we give God out of the bounty that God gave us and we don't worship our money. The abuse and neglect of the ephod can be the abuse and neglect of every good gift that God gives you. The abuse and neglect of your health. So you're healthy, now you're acting a fool until you get sick. Then all of a sudden you want to be saved and sanctified. The abuse of a good job. Well, you worship that job. You worship that job. And you put God way down on the list. Except you need him to keep you with that job. And you don't do what the Lord says. Six days you labor, seven days you rest. You give God worship. No, I'm going to work, 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 work. You have turned your job into an idol. You long to be married. Woe is me, I don't have a husband. Don't have a wife. You get one by hook or crook. And then you worship that spouse. You worship that spouse. That spouse is more important than God. Time with God. The worship of God, the will of God, the mission of God. You worship that spouse. Then you say, Lord, I want children. And then he gives you children. And then you worship those little devils. You spend all your time adoring them and neglecting God. And they can't do any wrong. And when they cry, you're just like a slave to them. And as they get older, they can manipulate you into compromising with God. You worship your children. This is the culture I live in. These are all examples of the corruption and defection that Israel engaged in. Am I making some sense? I'm telling the God honest truth right now. Just in case you thought that was about them, this is about us. We are idolaters. Every good and every perfect gift that comes from God, we abuse it. That wasn't Gideon. That was the people. You guys got that? That was not Gideon. That was the people. God gave Israel the temple. 
Jesus shows up, they kill Jesus and keep worshiping in the temple. We got a wonderful book called the Bible. It is a codification of God's revealed will, is it not? There's some fools that worship the Bible. They're not really worshiping God. They're taking Bible verses and, and hodgepodging them like postmodern religionists, making them do whatever they want the Bible to do so they can accomplish their will. Am I making some sense? They're not worshiping God through the Bible. They're worshiping themselves by Bible verses. Happens all the time. This is why if Jesus is not your chief organizing principle, you will keep worshiping something less than Jesus. Best thing leadership could ever do is tell you that they are not the Christ. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. Dot com or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.